After 11 years out of the Football League, Stockport County have finally done it. A Football League club in all but name is what we said. Well, now the Hatters have that name back. League 2 beckons for Dave Challoner's side as Edgeley Park will once again be a Football League ground. Elsewhere then, there's plenty to unpick from the final day of National League action and we'll delve down into step two, where a fascinating playoff battle is unfolding in both the National League North and National League South. I am Amos Murphy. This is the Non-League Weekly Podcast, sponsored by betting.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Non-League Weekly Podcast, sponsored by betting.co.uk. It's been another incredibly busy week of non-league action, especially at the top of the pyramid in Step 1, where the National League season came to a close, and then in Step 2, where there were plenty of playoff drama to keep us all entertained. With me to speak about that, I've got three guests. Starting with you, Joel, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Not the best, as you can imagine. Despite, um, <laughs> few could have imagined that we'd beat Wrexham 3-0 in the manner we did and I'd still be waking up on a Monday morning absolutely gutted. Mm. But mm. such is the nature of final day that final margins um, really can make or break. And unfortunately for us, it was the latter. It starts to become a recurring theme, isn't it? It's just like, if you go back and listen to the last three weeks or so of episodes, every single one each week is just a, a more frustrated <laughs> Joel. Um Richard, how are you doing, mate? Obviously, you know, we'll come on to the National League North playoff as uh, eliminators. It's, I'll tell you what, it's quite the depressing panel today, but uh, how are you doing anyway? Well, it is depressing, but I'm over it, to be honest. You know, Chorley were never going to go up, let's be realistic. I knew that. I think every Chorley fan could say that, uh, hand on heart, that if Chorley got promoted, then it would have been the biggest shock in the world. But, you know, Wembley on Sunday for myself, so, you know, bigger fish to fry as they always say. So, yeah, generally happy. Yeah, like a heartbroken girl saying they're over a, a boyfriend who's cheated <laughs> on them. Um, Dan, obviously, you know, have you got the pre-season boredom yet? Gateshead have, have finished their season quite a long time ago now and no celebrations for you this week, but noticed you were taking in some football north of the border. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I uh, went to the uh, Scottish League 2 playoff final between Cowden Beef and Spanary Rose Athletic and... Uh, the final outcome of that was those two teams swapped places, Cowden Beef headed into the non-league of Scottish football and well, Bonnie Rigg went the other way and probably deservedly so as well. Uh, obviously last week I was in Switzerland for a game, so tried to sort of get around the withdrawals of he'd not play anymore the best way I can. <laughs> Yeah, certainly, certainly. Some fantastic matches there. But um, we'll kick things off then in the National League, as always. And Stockport County being crowned champions of that division. It's been an incredibly long wait for the Hatters, whose 11-year absence from the Football League has finally come to an end. A 2-0 victory was enough for them on the final day to secure promotion. Although, as Joel mentions there, Dagenham doing their bit of the bargain and Wrexham slipping up so it wouldn't have mattered anyway been quite a turnaround under Dave Challoner. They were as low as 12th earlier in the season and are going up as deserved champions. Richard, I'll start with you then because there was a time when it looked as if it, it not so much wasn't going to happen for Stockport, but there was sort of that little bit of wobble, wasn't there, in the, in the last month or so. I think it was four defeats in the end. They ended the, the sort of final seven or eight games with. 
lo and behold, they are going up to League Two and as champions. And I don't think anybody on this panel of any persuasion can really begrudge them of that, can they? No, absolutely not. And deserve champions. And I think they were just, you know, trying to let other teams think, well, there could be a title challenge on, but there really wasn't. And it is much, much deserved. You know, I can remember going back to 2016, I went to Stockport with Nantwich in the FA Trophy and Nantwich turned them over. Two mm. nil. There was a thousand supporters on, and you, you could never have seen Stockport then in six years being a football league side. Once again, you really thought they were going to be stuck in the Conference North. They weren't challenging for the playoffs, let alone the title in the Conference North. But they brought back Jim Gannon. He's revitalised them, got them back up into the Conference, and then obviously they had the second of Jim Gannon. They brought in Simon Rust, changed hands again, and brought in Challoner, and has really led them. Uh, back into the Football League, so it's really pleasing to see them back in the Football League. And it's the minimum, really, that is where Stockport County should be as a football club. They should be a League Two side, if not a League One side. The stadium's all set up for higher-level football. The support they can get, we only saw it yesterday, what was it, 10,000 in Edgeley Park, Mm, to mm. cheer them on to the crowning of the Championship. So, delighted for them. And really, I think it's justified over particularly the second half of the season that they are the champions. They've been up there. They've had, they had that incredible run uh, from Christmas time to quite recently. Yes, they had that mini blip, but all good teams seem to go through mini blips and it's who can come out the uh, blip the best and get the promotion. And that's what Stockport County have done this season. You mentioned the blip there and, and you're spot on. I was listening to John Caron, who is of Stockport County Royalty, and he's currently doing the uh, the commentary for Stockport County, and I presume we'll, we'll continue to do that up, up the Football League. But he was saying on a on a Scarf Bagara War podcast, which is a fan-led podcast from a couple of Stockport County fans, that they had the credit in the bank, whereas Wrexham didn't really, did they, Joel? You know, you, you think about the, the the run Wrexham have been on. I think it was before they went to Woking, 14 games unbeaten or something silly like that. And you almost feel, don't you, that in another year, as has been the case in the past for Wrexham, that's form that would see them to the title. Obviously, the age-old debate is one promotion spot from the National League means that, you know, ultimately they miss out and they go into the playoffs. But Stockport had that, cushion to fall back on and boy did they need it but eventually getting across the line and you can't really begrudge them like I said before they've been by far and away the best team in the league lot to unpack in that question but (laughs) I know yeah Stockport um, were the best team in the end and as you said they had the credit in the bank they certainly stretched it to its limit at some points in the last Mm. couple of months or so but in the end, in the final week of the season, they've shown their class. You know, that win against Torquay that, char- that characterises champions and then the one yesterday against Halifax, who are obviously a very good um, side themselves. They've had a brilliant season in securing fourth place. Wrexham, they had to be near perfect. And for a long time, they were. You know, the fact that they were above went above Stockport with that victory is testament to how well they've done in the last few weeks to claw back what was quite a sizable deficit and as I said just a few weeks ago, they were um, competing for a, a home semi in kind of fifth, sixth position. They were trying to elevate themselves up. So to have done it to such an extent where they've even been in a title battle going into the last day showcases the quality they've had and continue to have going into the playoffs. In the end, it just wasn't enough. Um, and on final day, they had that really horrific showing at Dagenham, which I imagine is probably the worst they've played for some time. But... They came up against a motivated Dagenham, to be fair. 
you know, unfortunately, a bit too belatedly from our perspective. But it does show that they can be beaten Wrexham and quite soundly at that going into the playoffs. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. It It won't be um, a confidence booster for Phil Parkinson heading into those playoffs, which I guess we'll touch on in a moment or two. But finally, then, on Stockport County, Dan, um, you, we spoke last week, didn't we, after the Wrexham game about how mentally damaging that battering might be. And they, they still had it in the hands. Four points from the final two games was enough for them to, to go up as champions. Obviously, they squeezed past Torquay in midweek with one of those games where you go, that is the performance of champions, as Joel says. And then it was sort of, it, it was just basically a procession on the final day against Halifax. Do you think then perhaps if we're sort of going to prophesize a little bit, if the season had gone on maybe an extra month or so, there'd been another four or five games that they'd have been able to hold out like they did? Or was it just a case of getting across the line in these final couple of games, albeit, you know, a few defeats here and there, holding off Wrexham with as much as they can? And, you know, that that, that cushion did disappear quite quickly, but they just about managed to get across the line and secure the title. Uh, I think if that had been an extra five games, I still think they would have won it anyway, I think, because it's been proven over the season that they have been the best team in the National League. And uh, I think there's very little anyone can argue with about that. Even even Wrexham fans, who I'm sure, are somewhat Mm. hurting a bit at the moment, trying to to recover, like sort of lick their wounds and recover in time ready for the the playoffs and the trophy final. but as you said, like every team is going to have a blip at some point. Um, I think Cashy buying back to November when Dave Shalliner came in. I think there was quite a lot of people, self included. I think they were ninth in the table or something like that. Uh, were a bit confused as to why he was leaving mm. Hartlepool, who at that time were doing pretty, were, do, were doing pretty well in League Two for a, a side that only had only just gone up to a Stockport side that were. Maybe at that point, you know, could have had one or two people thinking that they're underperforming and maybe, maybe wasn't going to work out for them this season. But all credit to him, he's gone in there, he's really stamped his authority on, on the club, and and uh, and yeah, they've in the end of one league at, well, I don't want to say say a counter, but but the, the points tally shows what six points I believe. So um, says. Mm. So, in the end, there can be no debate about it, and I think now they'll be. I personally think they'll be very strong in again in League Two next year. Yeah, you do feel as if there's plenty of teams in the National League who, if they went, if they were to go up, then they'd be more than comfortable in League Two. One of them maybe being Wrexham, and as always with title winners, there are there are losers and teams who missed out, and it was to be Wrexham this time around. Um, Joel, would you, would you care to sort of walk us through what on earth happened at Victoria Road on the final day? Because obviously Wrexham went there <laughs> knowing that they needed to win to keep the title hopes alive, and you know Stockport County needed to lose for that to be the case. That clearly didn't happen, and, and what we had instead was a case where Dagenham and Redbridge were on the brink of the playoffs but needing a result from elsewhere that that just didn't arrive in the end it, it was a weird one with both fan bases constantly checking their phones hoping for outcomes that ultimately didn't materialize from our perspective I think it was a result that only amplifies the frustration because it shows what we can do you know we can beat anyone on our day unfortunately our day has been far too infrequent in the end Wrexham started okay first 10 minutes 
where the game changed coincided with news filtering through of Stockport going 1-0 up. And then we just sort of incrementally took control after that, playing some really, really nice football. We should have been one, two goals up at half time. And then second half, our domination reached excessive levels and we finally won 3-0. Two late goals, but not undeserved ones, not ones that skewed the result to um, a level it didn't deserve. We were very, very good in the end, but it came too late. Wrexham fans still had a party though, still singing at 3-0. You know, they knew that they couldn't let their disappointment show. They needed to keep a high kind of level of of emotion to really kind of the, the players can feed off going into the, well, FA Trophy final and then the playoffs. So a weird one in that neither fans went home disappointed because obviously from us, the performance and the result and the fact that we came so close, I mean, you couldn't be too frustrated. Obviously, there will be a wider inquest as to why we missed out. And Wrexham, obviously, their fans can understand it's an off day and they're still in a fantastic position going into the playoffs. So, yeah, in conclusion, an odd day at Victoria Road, both going home disappointed, but not overly so, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah, it was it was one of those days where you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, pressing refresh, looking for a goal. Obviously, it, it being at between Chesterfield and Woking, we've we've had had Woking taking the lead against Chesterfield, and I believe they did at one point, albeit it was ruled out for a foul in the build-up. Dagenham would have finished inside the playoffs. It wasn't to be. Um, just finishing the National League roundup because we we will hopefully do a, a big. National League playoff preview ahead of them kicking off in a week or so's time. But Richard, then I'll let you have the final word on this because I think the consensus amongst Rex and fans is that they wouldn't have minded, sort of say, go back two or three months if they didn't go up this season. I include the playoffs in that as well, purely because they're they're quite early into this project, if, if you want to call it that. I think now, though, when they've seen how close they've come and how close they've pushed Stockport County to the league title and how they believe they they are comfortably the second best team in this division. I think Holly Palm is a big a big help to that as well. They're going to be fancying the playoffs, and obviously, like you mentioned, there you'll be at Wembley next week for the trophy final. There's still a chance for them to have what could be two weeks of one of the most successful periods in the club's history. But they just need to sort of show a little bit more bottle, don't they? And there's been moments when they could have maybe pushed County a little bit more or put it into their own hands. They've managed to slip up. Yeah, there was a couple of results, weren't there? I think it was Bournemouth Wood away a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, getting yeah. Ten, they had Bournemouth Wood had ten men, uh, or Wrexham had ten men. There was there was a sending off anyway. I can't remember <laughs> which way it was. A lot of football's gone since yeah, then, yeah, and certainly. they drew that. And you feel like those are the moments that slipped away. Just looking at the league table, Stockport actually lost more games this season than Wrexham. But where Stockport have really won this league is the fact that Stockport have only drawn four times <clears> in the league and got thirty wins, which is quite impressive but I think going on to Wrexham mostly I mean how many years now has it been of Wrexham being in the National League is it, we're coming up to 14 years nearly yeah. 15 years it's far too long now for a club of Wrexham size to be sat in non-league football they're really going to be hoping and praying that they can do it in the playoffs because otherwise next season we're going to see we've seen it again happen this season the amount of good quality teams who are coming down the teams who are going up as well uh, we've got Maidstone coming up, who you know, you expect to be lower half mid-table. Gateshead, easily uh, mid-table. I'm not just saying that because Dan's on the <laughs> uh, podcast, but I really do think Gateshead will have no issues next season in the 
National League, but then you've got Scunthorpe United and Oldham Athletic coming out. We don't know how they're going to uh, react to being in the National League. Could they do a Bristol or a uh, Bristol Rovers or a Cheltenham and bounce straight back up? Or will they struggle as well? But they are going to be big names in this division. And with only two promotion spots, they're going to really go and hope to go up through the playoffs. Otherwise, they're going to have to do a yet another season in non-league. And to be honest, I'm getting to a point where I can remember Wrexham being in the non-league. I can't really remember them being in the mm. football league just because of how long it's been that they've been down here. So, hopefully, if they don't do it in the playoffs, they're really going to have to go up next season. Otherwise, they could be here forever. Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? The, the time Wrexham have been here, I think you're right there, 14 years, it's getting to the point where there'll be a whole generation of Wrexham supporters who have only ever known them as a non-league club, which is phenom- phenomenal really, isn't it, when you consider the, the stature and the size of the club. Um, so yeah, we'll wait and see what happens in the FA Trophy final. I'm sure you'll you'll have plenty to report on that. And then as we go into the playoffs where, where like I said, hopefully we'll have a preview to come. But um, in terms of playoffs that have already taken place and will be taking place in the next week or so, there's obviously been the step two action for us to dive into. We'll start in the National League North then, where it's been a busy couple of weeks with plenty of drama, starting with the Eliminators then, York City versus Chorley. York City getting the 2-1 victory in that. Richard, I'll, I'll quickly come back to you then to just sort of talk us through what happened there. York City progressing at the expense of, of Chorley and, and Chorley's season ending in, uh, in Yorkshire. Well, I did actually make it up to the LNER Stadium uh, a bit far on the Wednesday night from uh, Stoke-on-Trent to Yorkshire to view the game. But I listened to, made sure I had Radio Lancashire's commentary on it. And from what they were saying on Radio Lancashire was that it was two mistakes that have knocked Chorley out of the playoffs. Two very uncharacteristic mistakes from Matt Irwin and Scott Lever. Two of Chorley's stalwarts have uh, completely cost Chorley the game. The second goal... I don't know if you've seen it. Matt Irwin's come out. He's absolutely air-kicked it. And it's fallen to Mitch Hancock, and he's got an easy job of rolling it in. The first one, which uh, Lennon John Lewis uh, lobs, it seems like he's got an empty net. Scott Lever has come out into the right-back position, won his header, but it's fallen to Lennon Lewis, and Matt Irwin's come out of his goal and literally lift it into an empty net. There was a chance Charlie equalised uh, midway through the first half. Connor Hall... Uh, got the equaliser, and there was chances towards the end for Chorley to take it to extra time. Jack Sampson going close, very close with a header that just dropped inches wide, but it wasn't to be. And as I say, listening to Radio Lancashire's commentary, it did sound like Chorley had large, uh, large chance, large percentage of the chances in that game, but just couldn't convert and stop Port's defence. And probably the help of uh, that large supporting contingent they had has got them through to essentially now the final. Yeah, definitely. And we'll pick up on that because, um, Dan, they, they were able to go one better, really, weren't they? And you'd have seen or at least been following Brackley Town for obvious reasons with their with their sort of their their the way they were in the title race with Gateshead. But quite a shock result there, isn't it? Or, or maybe not. You know, you, you've said before the fact that you don't think Brackley or whoever missed out on the title would have had enough to go through the playoffs. But York are finding form, aren't they? And they obviously finished the season strong. They found a spot in the top seven. They're now into the playoff final, having having brushed aside Brackley Town, who were one of the favourites going into it. Yeah, well, I've said it before, I'll say it again. John Askey does need tremendous credit. He's got mm. York, he's, he's installed something into that York City team 
of which win by all costs. I mean, they've had a lot of wins this season, particularly towards the end where they've been not been pretty, but they've won and uh, obviously that, and that's why they find themselves in that position. I think in terms of uh, Brackley, though, I think, like as Joel's said on this podcast numerous times, uh, form and momentum going into the playoffs is often more key than uh, than way actually finishing the table. And I just think that title race between Gates and Brackley, because it had been what a two-horse race since maybe mid-March at the latest, um, I think it was always going to be a case of whichever didn't come out on top would probably slip in the playoffs. So I just think that title race just took so much out of both teams and I'm I'm mightily relieved that we did win the league because I mean it's it's all hindsight now, but uh, I think I, I think when that Brackley result came through, I shared that uh, Top Gear meme on Facebook. That could have happened to us, but it didn't. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I, and that just it just came to show. I mean, I think over the season, I think I, I think logically uh, the two that should have should have gone up were Gateshead and Brackley because. The points totals and, and that will show that they were clearly the best two over the season. Maybe that's the part of the playoffs that a lot of people like don't agree with and seem to think are unfair. But um, we have got to give credit to y'all because they played Charlie what less than seventy two hours earlier. Uh, battled through a tough game there, then obviously had a long trip down to Northamptonshire and um, managed to get a job done again and you'd have to say now they're probably going to be favourites in the final. Mm, yeah, yeah, we'll come to that final then, Rich, and I'll come to you on this because quite a remarkable situation where we've got Boston United who squeezed into the playoffs on the final day. They were one of the teams who had to get a result to, to ensure their, their top seven finish. They managed to get past FA Cup giant killers in Kidderminster at Agbra, um, just on the back of the news that Russell Penn had signed a new a new contract extension and the boost that could have brought. They then went away to AFC Fylde, who who finished the season behind Gateshead and, and Brackley and obviously in third. So they had that home semi-final and they progressed 2-0. That is about as good a momentum as you're going to get going into the playoffs, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely is. And it's been a strange old playoffs. And just talking about the momentum and what have you, None of the teams who have actually won in the playoffs have actually won league games uh, against the teams they've played uh, in the league, like Kidderminster had beaten uh, Boston home and away, Boston had lost to AFC Fylde home and away, Brackley had beaten York home and away, and I think, uh, just looking ahead for the playoffs, I think it's uh, Boston who have won both games against York, so that would tell you, if you're going off that alone, it's going to be (laughs) York who will win the playoffs, but the playoffs are such... A funny old thing. I don't think either any team has ever finished uh, seventh since the rechange of the playoffs and gone on one promotion. So that'd be a massive achievement for Boston United if they can get promotion. Yeah. You know, before the last game of the season, as we say, they weren't even in the playoff spots. They've come into it and they've gone to Kidderminster and won. They've gone to AFC Fylde and won. And that is a remarkable achievement. Can they go to York and win there? It will be a tough ask. The it's probably going to be a sellout. Why is it 7,000 uh, tickets they can sell York because of the uh, issues that we all saw on Wednesday? Uh, but they're going to play a massive part of the supporters, both home and away fans. And I really hope it is a really good final. Who are 
one skill. Don't know because it's not my team, surely, which probably makes it better uh, for me personally because it'd be so stressful. The playoffs, I really don't like the playoffs when your team's competing. It good fun to watch. So I just hope it's going to be a really good final and uh, the best team on the day is the team that gets the promotion. Yeah, I just want to pick up on that, actually. And Joel, I'll come to you. I'll bring in the resident Southerner on this question about York and the and the behaviour of, of the, some of the supporters because there was quite a bit of conflict uh, between the club and fans, obviously, on the back of Wednesday night. There were some pictures circulating of, of the new stadium, which only opened, what, less than 12 months ago, I believe. It was in 2021. And, and the stand looked absolutely wrecked. And do you think it takes a gloss off what could potentially be a promotion winning playoff campaign if you if you your final which you know you you work hard to finish as high up as, as possible to make sure you get that home final now can only be attended by a, a percentage of the supporters because there's a, a cap on attendance due to poor behavior from other supporters well it certainly undermines the fantastic work they've done on the pitch um when you've got ticket allocations being reduced. I mean, I think Brackley said they were going to give York more tickets and then retracted them, although they then put out a tweet saying the allocation was decided beforehand, so who knows what to believe on that front. But nonetheless, it's not a good look. I can't imagine the logic of destroying part of your own stadium and seeing the pictures. That that doesn't happen inadvertently, you know. Mm. I can understand celebrating... um, can even maybe stretch to a pitch invasion if you've made the final, <laughs> just about. But, um, yeah, they seem to have to take it too far and reach strange new um, new heights every single week, York. I dread to think what will happen if um, if they win the player final. They'll probably set the place on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll be looking for a new stadium for the for the second time in a number of years. Um, right, okay. Finally, then Richard and Dan. Uh, one word: Who's going to win the in the National League North playoff final? York or Boston? Richard, start with you. York and Dan. York, but it'll be close. Well, that wasn't one word, was it, Dan? But yeah, um, <laughs> it's going to be yeah. a Boston win now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, stick your money on Boston. Um, before we leave the National League North then, just to touch on a, a pretty upsetting and damaging story from the world of, of uh, non-league and particularly AFC Fylde, who were batting away allegations this week about their manager, James Rowe, who was obviously started the season with, with Chesterfield and left at the turn of the year and was accused of sexual indecency. The Daily Mail published a story on Friday evening, Matt Hughes from the Daily Mail, suggesting that AFC Fylde were warned about the, the conduct of James Rowe and the Chesterfield wrote a letter of concern saying that he posed a danger to women. Now, this was something that wasn't taken up by the FA. It was clearly something that wasn't taken up by Fylde. Um, Joel, then, it's it's a tough... It was really tough to read. It was really, really tough to read. And to see a club of, of Fylde stature who were, not too long ago, one game away from the Football League, being put in a situation like this, is it, it makes you sick at the stomach, really, doesn't it? Of course, Look, in terms of credentials, James Rowe's a good manager. You only need to look at Chesterfield's descent and um, and the way Fylde have gone on an Mm. upwards curve since he joined to demonstrate that. But some things matter more than football, and this is certainly one of them. Unfortunately, um, Fylde 
who would have known about the rumours, you know, we all knew about the rumours within about a day of him getting sacked. Mm. So there's no way they didn't know the rumours and invariably there isn't smoke without fire, you know, while you have to let certain proceedings play out and while there is a judicial process of establishing what's truth and what's lies and giving people the right to a response and, and such, I personally wouldn't want to touch someone even with that hanging over them, much like John Yems, mm. you know, nothing's been categorically proven in that department either, but nonetheless, you wouldn't want to get involved anyway because by association, it's not a good look. I think if you said to any of us, name the club who would take him on after that, we'd probably all go, yeah, filed. So it's not too surprising in that regard. What I will say is fair play Chesterfield because they've acted very strongly at their own detriment in terms of league position and they've put their morals above um, the football inside, which you can't always say about Chesterfield, what with their um, exploitation of furlough and and et cetera, et cetera. But in this case, they've done a lot of good and one could say is poetic justice that they made the playoffs and, and filed in the end bombed against Boston. Yeah, Dan, I'll come to you then um, on this one because <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? Because the reaction of Fylde itself, the club, uh, and particularly David Hayformweight's reaction to this and the statement they put out was just... They, they seem to be a club who are incapable of making things better when when a, a crisis hits them. Obviously, I'm thinking back to the, the job advert advertisement that came not too long ago and obviously there was links to the Brexit party as well and the statement they put out where your your, your club or your manager has just been accused of, of pretty horrific vile actions it didn't really sort of offer any confidence to any anyone who may have been affected by anything similar did it it was it was sort of spineless it was strange it it didn't offer any sort of comfort and as, as Joel mentions it, it's getting to the point now where it's hardly becoming surprising that that filed are embroiled in such nonsense like this yeah it was very it was such a tough read I was um and I'll say I think you know, you know there have been people that have read that and got deeply upset by it I mean like the sexism in football and uh, the safety of women in football has been highlighted massively in the last sort of year. year so obviously you've had the launch of the Her Game 2 yeah. campaign. Um, I believe Fylde, uh actually, for one of their games this season, actually partnered up with, with them. So maybe the maybe people at Her Game 2 now are just sort of looking at, at that and thinking, hang on, we partnered with you not that long ago. Mm. Yeah, you're coming mm. out now and basically brushing aside all these very, very serious allegations against your manager. I mean, it's not just the it's not just the sexual indecency that's been an, an issue with James Rowe. I mean, uh, I think it was what Maidenhead versus Chesterfield earlier in the season. I believe he was talking. You could hear him on camera. He's clearly got a bit of a history of behavioural issues. I believe uh, when there's some something else, it was and yeah, West Ham United as a, as a youth team yeah, manager. So there clearly is like a, a long running history of this, um, and I think Chesterfield were right to come out and basically just like just said they're not going to get caught up in all the nonsense. But um, I believe it was HITC Sevens did a video on YouTube quite a while ago explaining why AFC Files were the most hated team in non-league football and. Uh, I mean, if I'm totally honest, like they're really not doing themselves any favours at the minute. I mean, I remember we played them in the FA Trophy, what, 2016, and 
at that time, like the the scene as though they were coming across fairly well, but I really don't know what's happened since then. I don't know if like obviously they've been internationally, they've been they won the FA Trophy, they've been a game away from the football league, so maybe like with things like that, people egos do grow a bit, but um but yeah, it's just it really is quite mind boggling all this at the moment. Yeah, certainly. And we'll we'll end this with you then, Richard. Um and and the, the reaction from Chesterfield was was if if on one side it wasn't very admirable, the reaction from Chesterfield certainly was their statement was short and sweet. They uh, essentially said that they signed a non disclosure agreement when James Rowe left and they've adhered to that. The accusation, you know, they batted it away and, and they almost acted like adults, which is um refreshing to see, isn't it, when you consider the way other people in this situation have behaved. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, credit to Chesterfield in how they've handled all this since it come out, and that's really how AFC Files should have taken the uh, allegations. They should have, you know, said we'll investigate it, uh, and what have you. They will speak to Chesterfield, speak to James Rowe, speak to all parties concerned, and just say that to the public. You don't need to go on with big wishy-washy statements with what they've done, uh, saying this, that, the other. Just you know, say they're aware of it. And move on, and let and deal with it behind in behind closed doors, and that is what Chesterfield were doing with their statement. So all credit to Chesterfield, and as you say, with Fylde, uh, could they have done a lot better in handle it? Probably could, to be honest, in my opinion. And I think it's so confusing uh, what's going on. Is who do you believe? It's like we'll say about with the uh, York and Brackley tickets. You know, who do you actually believe, and who do you believe? Uh, is telling the truth. There's always going to be three sides to the story. There's going to be the one side, there's going to be the other side, and there's going to be the actual truth. And what we all really need to find out is the truth. And that is what I guess AFC filed. If they're going to conduct an in-house investigation, that is what they're going to need to do. If not, I think the FA really need to have a look into this, as we mentioned, uh, with the Her Game 2 and, you know, bringing, you know, coming on leaps and bounds with having women in football uh, right across the board. It really, if we're going to carry on and be serious about making football uh, inclusive for everyone, they really need to take a good look into this and find out what is actually going on. Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll end that there because I, I don't believe for a second this will be the last time we we speak about this. But um, as as incredibly depressing as it is, we'll we'll return to the football then, and and we'll wrap this episode up with the National League South playoffs. Um, it started as did with the North. It started in midweek. Oxford City against Eastbourne Borough, Joel. And then we said, didn't we, Eastbourne Borough, they had that absolute battering on the final game of the season, 7-2 against Dartford. They succumbed to another defeat against Oxford City, who then went to play Dorking Wanderers, the second place team. And unlike in the North, Dorking were able to get through. Um, what were the sort of talking points from those two games? Then, obviously, Dorking favourites to take it all, and professional performance, and Eastbourne Borough favourites to drop out, and well, they did just that. Yeah, I said about Eastbourne's horrific form going into it, and um, that's hard to shake off ahead of the playoffs, especially given the psychological um, damage of losing to Dartford as well, who were also in the playoffs. Um, they got beat by Oxford City which wasn't too much of a surprise given that Oxford came into it in reasonable form themselves. So that one really went to the form book. Um, that took us to the other. 
um, eliminator between Dartford and Chippenham, which you could say subverted the form book somewhat. Chippenham were that team we talk about that always sneak in and often that sense of fearlessness is a powerful asset to have. So it proved with them winning on penalties and um, as we discussed last time, Dartford really have a shock in history when it comes to the playoffs. And yeah, even though you can say, obviously, if, if you lose on penalties, there's an element of bad luck. Obviously, if you miss penalties, you've missed them for a reason. But hmm. to lose by virtue of a penalty shootout is in itself unfortunate. Um, then that brought us to this, a semi-final between um, Dorkin and Oxford City. I attended that game on Saturday and it was very, very comfortable for the hosts. Watching them, you would not have known it was a playoff semi-final whatsoever, as well as their high-octane football that had seen them score over 100 goals this year. They had a, a calm assuredness about them and a sense of authority. They controlled the game very masterfully and um, were 2-0 up in no time at all. That killed the game, really. They got a third in the second half and it was very calm progression for them. They face Ebbsfleet next week. Ebbsfleet themselves won against Chippenham. Very unfortunate to lose in extra time with Chippenham to a Lee Martin goal. But interestingly, in that division, the final will be contested between the second and the third place team. The opposite of the North, where it's the bottom two teams from the playoffs contesting mm. the final. I did think that those two teams in the South were a lot stronger than the rest of the playoffs competitors. And it would have been hard for anyone to kind of nudge them out of the way. So it's proved and I'm back in Dorking to win the final next week at Meadowbank. But it will certainly be an interesting one. Yeah, concise. I love it. Um, on that final, then obviously you you speak about the form going into it and Dorking looking like there was a sense of inevitability about them them progressing. Obviously, followers of the bunch of amateur series will know how exciting and enthralling um, Dorking have been this season. And and you know it's it's difficult to to make a documentary about non league football and make it exciting. But those guys certainly have done, and it's in no small part due to the performances of. Mark White and his team and 3-0 in a semi-final you know there's there's hardly uh, much better preparation for the final but then on the other hand you've got Ebbsfleet who obviously Chippenham had that as you mentioned sense of fearlessness but found it difficult against uh, against them didn't they and, and Chippenham who um, much like Boston squeezed in on the final day got that penalty shootout victory held out and, and in one side were, were progressing from it and the other side were being knocked out by it is this as simple as it seems then for Dorkin? Is it a case of rock up on the final day, take the playoff victory in front of a home crowd? Or do Ebbsfleet have a shock in them? Is that first semi-final just a, a sighter for them and just getting the, the, the taste for it? And, and are they going to actually bring a surprise come Saturday afternoon? I, I don't think it'll be straightforward. Mark White won't allow it to be straightforward for sure. He won't ever let that mentality spread to his players. But when you see Dorkin have only lost two home games all season, they beat Ebbsfleet, I believe, 5-1, and they've beaten every other team in the playoffs at home, which was massive for them going into it. I don't see anything other than a Dorkin win. You know, They've both conceded 53 goals exactly this season. Ebbsfleet have scored 78, Dorkin have scored 101. So while the defences <laughs> might be evenly matched, Dorkin's attack is a lot sharper and that isn't even including Jason Pryor, who missed about five, six months of the season. He's back and mm. scoring now. So they might have even ended up with more had they had him for that spell. Obviously, we talk about that game between Ebbsfleet and Chippenham. Chippenham, you've got to remember, had that game, I think, on Thursday. Yeah. Um, 
to then to have that and then go to Ebbsfleet and for it to go extra time, it was just a task too far for them and, and their their systems just didn't allow them to to go that extra mile and they succumbed in the end. But heads held high, certainly for them. Ebbsfleet didn't have it easy, they had to work hard and certainly Ebbsfleet will know that they've got to work even harder next week at Dorking because that can be the most exhausting um, ground to play at in the National League South for sure. Yeah, they're definitely the underdogs. And I guess before we we leave this alone then, I believe you actually met the man himself, Mark White. Uh, a lovely selfie uh, circulating on, mm. what was it, Sunday afternoon, I think it was. Um, what was he like to speak to? He, he looked smiley and he looked usually his usual chipper self. Yeah, lovely man. You know, he, he's um, he's pretty much as you find him on the documentary. He wasn't quite as loudmouthed to me, but <laughs> in terms of, you know, the approachability, how he treats the volunteers at Dorking, how he's engageable and to everyone, you know, he could be speaking to the assistant manager or he could be speaking to a supporter or, you know, an opposing manager, a volunteer, and he would do it in exactly the same way. He's quite an honest man. And um, yeah, I spoke to him for a couple of minutes and, Certainly enjoyed it, certainly informative. It was something I'd look forward to doing, having watched the documentary. There's few players with cult, uh, manager, sorry, with cult status like he is. So, yeah, very enjoyable, enjoyable day all round. And I look forward to returning for the final next week. Yeah, definitely, and we'll uh, we'll bounce back with the with the results of that. Hopefully, when they are concluded. Um, okay, then let's wrap up. Dan, anything else to add before we go? Any more exotic football trips on your on your horizon, or is it more of the same in in the Scottish Islands and whatnot? Uh, well, I'm hoping I can go along to the uh, nationally north final on Saturday. I think I'll basically be the most chilled out person in the entirety of the LNAR Community Stadium. There, just. Uh, <laughs> eagerly trying to find out who comes up with us. Uh, but I think it'll be two good finals at Step 2 on Saturday. Obviously, we've touched upon Dorking there, but I've got to say it is nice to see Ebsley gradually on the way back. I know at the time we were really struggling financially in that day were as well. So, so yeah, the best best luck to them. And uh, hopefully this time next week we're able to chat about two very entertaining finals. Mm, yeah yeah definitely and uh another final that we'll hopefully get to speak about richard will be the fa trophy final no sort of out and out preview from us today on wrexham versus bromley but set to be an interesting game isn't it because you don't know how wrexham approach it they've got a playoff campaign to look forward to bromley would have been hoping for the same but obviously fell short should be a good day out at wembley obviously and then obviously the vars finals as well which uh are shaping up to be some some decent ties in there as well yeah, absolutely. I went in 2018 and really enjoyed it and I've been itching for a, a return since. So, look, really looking forward to it. And as you say, I didn't even really thought about it, but Rex and what team do they put out? Do they go mm. all out to win the trophy or do they save it for the playoffs? So it'd be interesting to uh, talk, to look at. Also, just on the mention of promotions, obviously absolutely packed show as always and we can't talk about everything, but just want to congratulate uh, Foley Mia, who local team to me, They've been promoted to the Northwest County South uh, Division for next season, and another team from back home in Charlie Exton Villa to the Northwest Counties North. And I remember going to Exton Villa in many pre-season friendlies. You never thought that would be a Northwest Counties club, just like the state, like the ground, lovely little ground, but there was no like stand facility. So delighted to see them up, and they're joining the uh, proper non-league football fraternity for next season. 
<laughs> yeah, echo that completely. You know, all, all these playoffs and promotions that are going on, it's difficult to keep up with. But um, finally then, Joel, you don't have to watch another game of Dagenham until, what, the summer? You must be feeling happy about that. No no more heartbreak from that from that end for a couple of months at least. Yeah, blissful. It certainly is torturous um, following the daggers, the highs, the lows and the further lows. But no, we, we ended on a high at least, although it was a frustrating one. Um, what can you do? We go again next year. Hopefully, Wrexham go up alongside Stockport to make the league less competitive, and we can um, finally go one better next year. Although we all know we'll probably have a late push and finish eighth again. <laughs> Inevitable. Um, yeah, but that will do for today. As always, if you are looking for all of the best sign-up offers, head over to betting.co.uk, especially in the run-up to the National League playoffs, which we will hopefully be back soon with a big preview podcast if you could leave a rating and a review whilst hitting subscribe on whichever podcast platform you are listening along on that'll be greatly appreciated i have been amos murphy this has been the non-league weekly podcast sponsored by betting.co.uk and until next time see you later